0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems, and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights, and tips to help you master the game of investing. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about, or at least present, an investment case for investing in property in Brisbane. Uh, Now, I recall I hosted a seminar back in August 2018. Uh, in, a, in a very pre-COVID word, world where we could uh, invite clients into the office and, uh, and um, deliver a presentation to them. Uh, the good old days, let's call them. <laughs> um, and anyway, I, I presented a few uh, value investing opportunities, I thought, um, presented at the time. And I suggested that B- Brisbane houses uh, that were worth in the range or selling in the range for 800 to a million dollars Um, uh, represented, you know, a a pretty good investment at that time. And I presented the reasons why, and there was a few reasons why, including interstate migration and overseas uh, migration uh, picking up. Um, Now, if uh, we we bought, uh, uh, we recommended a whole bunch of our clients buy property in Brisbane at the time, and really did so through uh, since 2008, you know, over the last uh, three or four years. So, um if you had a purchased a, a house uh, for 800,000 in 2018 uh, it would be worth uh, um i think it's going to deliver for the reasons which I outline in this in this podcast uh deliver you know really good long-term returns but certainly in the shorter term the returns have been um uh, very attractive to to say the least. And I think depending on your financial uh, situation, you know that your existing assets that you've got, what your investment strategy looks like, you know in, in adding an investment grade, uh, property in Brisbane to, into your portfolio might be uh, an, an excellent uh, addition and I want to set out some of the pros and cons so it's not all just about what the positives are, there are some downsides when comparing to other investment rate grade locations like Sydney and Melbourne, um, you know, Brisbane doesn't tick all the boxes so let's look at, you know, the pros and cons. I think the pros outweigh the, the cons of course but um, let's look at, at both the, the positives and negatives. Um, so let's dive into it. The first uh, positive, I think, could be overseas and interstate migration. Um, And I've got a few charts, which you'll see the links in the show notes and obviously on the blog on the website. And I've charted both uh, interstate migration um, and overseas migration. Now, interstate migration was negative in Queensland for a period of time, going back, uh, you know, probably going back more than 10 years Uh, now which was which is kind of unique because certainly in the 80s 90s and um, and even slightly into the early 2000s it was uh, strongly positive that is most people were moving to Queensland you know from Victoria to uh, New South Wales or Melbourne Sydney uh, up to Queensland Um, but that uh, that trend reversed for a period of time and it certainly bounced back over the last three or four years where um, interstate migration has always been negative in New South Wales. So people leaving Sydney, um, and as a Melbourne it's, it's, uh, incredibly tempting for me to, uh, to, um, uh, throw some stones at them. But, uh, I think given their current lockdown situation, that's probably a bit cruel, but, you know, Melbourne's always been better than Sydney. So we probably don't need to mention it. Uh, in any case, uh, it's always been negative in New South Wales. Um, and at a time there were more people moving, to Victoria than any other place. But that's that's changed as well. And thanks to, probably thanks to COVID, that's uh, probably not going to reverse anytime soon. But um, certainly, interstate migration uh, from New South Wales and, and Victoria uh, to uh, Queensland is substantially positive. And I, I suspect that COVID will um, probably boost that a little bit. Uh, But the thing to note is that most interstate migration goes to the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. So it's probably people retiring or looking for a bit of a sea change uh, rather than moving from Melbourne to Brisbane. Again, uh, that might change as well with uh, work from home, you know, people being able to work remotely. uh, And again, maybe COVID's going to change those things. You know, people that have lived through lockdowns in, really harsh lockdowns in Melbourne and uh, particularly Melbourne and, and also Sydney, uh, might start to think the grass is greener on the other side and, and relocate to Brisbane, particularly if their employment um, opportunities don't really change. Uh, so um, interstate migration uh, historically hasn't really had a big impact on the Brisbane property market, um, but might do moving forward as a result of COVID. Um, overseas migration, however, mostly goes to to Brisbane, and, and Brisbane gets the, the lion's share of that Uh, of course. Um, And it was, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, overseas migration was significant, significant contributor to the property market. And sort of, it's sort of trended down though since 2008. Um, And a large proponent of the overseas uh, immigration are people moving from New Zealand, actually, um, on subclass 444 visas. Uh, and represent about half of the overseas uh, immigration. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what do the New Zealanders do? Um, Will they they have an appetite, if they're going to immigrate out of New Zealand, will they have an appetite to go further afield? Or maybe because of COVID and the events, maybe they're more likely to stay in the region Uh, and uh, Brisbane could be a good opportunity. And I'll talk about why, I mean, house prices... Uh, far more palatable in Brisbane than they are in Melbourne and Sydney, particularly if you're moving from New Zealand, where you're probably moving from a lower price base. Um, Interestingly, in 2008, for example, about 16,000 New Zealanders moved to Queensland. And again, most of that went to Brisbane. Uh, Whereas between uh, 2017 and 2019, it sort of ranged between 1,500 and 3,000. So substantial difference there. But if that bounces back, uh, uh generally if overseas migration bounces back, which I think it will. Um, and particularly if New Zealanders that New Zealander cohort bounce back, it could have a significant contributor uh, in terms of permanent migration through to Brisbane, um, and that could have a significant contributor to the, the demand supply. Uh, balances there and I think uh, you know Australia you know certainly um, is attracting a bit of criticism in terms of its approach to COVID and lockdowns and those sorts and low vaccination rates all those sorts of things but you know in in one or two years uh, time that's going to be really old news and really what people will look back at is how did Australia fare through the pandemic Um, and I think uh, the assessment will be well Um, and as such I think it's going to be a more attractive uh, immigration destination uh, than it was uh, in the past. So I think uh, Australia is really going to be able to control. Well, the d- demand is always going to exceed um, the availability of, of immigration positions, I think, uh, which puts the country in a, in a good position where they can dial it up or down. Uh, the next, uh, so I guess I would add uh, uh, overseas migration and interstate migration as a unknown rather than a pro or con but certainly i think the balance is um, leaning towards more upside than downside Uh, certainly a positive a a pro is the amount of infrastructure spending that's going on uh, in and around the brisbane area Uh, there's about 20 billion dollars of projects at the moment and most of these projects i mean there's some rail there but A lot of them are really aimed at entertainment um, and improving the livability. So um, there's the Cross River Rail, there's Queens Wharf Precinct, uh, Showgrounds Master Plan, Brisbane Live, which is like an entertainment precinct, uh, and those sorts of things. You know, $20 billion uh, is pretty significant. Um, And the Queensland Government just completed last year its... um, a second runway at Brisbane Airport at a cost of $1.4 billion, and, and they project it's going to generate about $5 billion of economic activity over the next 10 years. Uh, and, of course, we're all well aware that uh, Brisbane uh, will be the host of the 2032 Olympic Games, uh, and KPMG projected that that will deliver about $4.6 billion of economic benefits, not going to cost $4.6 billion, Uh, So, you know, all these infrastructure projects and so forth will improve the livability of Brisbane. Uh, It means it has a lot more to offer uh, its residents um, and will make it a, a more desirable location. Now, one of the negatives uh, with Brisbane is its population. Obviously, it's about half the size, you know, has a half a number of people that are in Melbourne and, and Sydney. And really, population is a is a big uh, contributor to the supply-demand equation because really what we want to do is we, there's only, you know, less than 5% of properties are investment grade. Um, most properties aren't worth investing in. So it's really about picking the best properties um, and, but, but mostly it's about making sure that we're investing in blue chip locations that have or will benefit from a substantial cohort of people that are in a financial position to always pay more for property. Um, so it's a desirable location. You really need a strong cohort of people that have the, the means to pay more. Um, and this is really linked to overall wealth position rather than just ne- necessarily income levels. Uh, and so, the, the greater the city, the more chance, you know, the greater the, the larger the city, uh, the more chance there is that that's going to occur. Now, Brisbane's not a small city, it's about 2.3 million people um, in it. But, you know, compared to Sydney at, f- at 5.3 or, or um, Melbourne at, at 5.1, uh, you know, it is substantially smaller. So, from a risk perspective um, and from a growth perspective, uh, Melbourne and, and Sydney are probably better placed. Um, But it's just something to to consider in terms of a a downside. Um, Interestingly, though, when you look at ABS projections, you know, what uh, population might be by 2060, uh, certainly it's interesting to note that uh, Brisbane does or, or is projected to benefit from a higher population growth rate. A positive is better affordability, um, and I think not only for investors, but, you know, kind of across the board, um, and I think this really plays out in um, immigration, both interstate and overseas, um, but really to buy a uh, investment-grade house in Melbourne, um, you really need north of or, or at least close to $1.5 million uh, to really get a good quality asset. To get something something commensurate um, uh, in that you could otherwise buy in Brisbane, you're probably going to need north of one and a half. Um, and in Sydney, north of 1.7, 1.8, 1.9. Um, in fact, let's draw a circle around $1.7 to $2 million. Whereas in Brisbane, you can spend somewhere in the order of one to one and a half and get yourself a really sensational quality um, investment-grade property on at least 400 square metres of land. Whereas in, um, in Melbourne and, and uh, Sydney, you're getting half the land size. Um, so you're really getting a lot for, you, for your money. Um, and I think that's going to be a big attraction, is, again, to New Zealanders uh, if they're looking to immigrate. The housing affordability is much better in Brisbane than it is in um, at Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, one of the downsides to Brisbane is job opportunities, uh, particularly at the higher level, at a kind of executive level. Um, I looked at a list of uh, 165 notable large Australian businesses. Many of them were listed. Only 27 out of the uh, 265 uh, were, um, were had head, head offices in Brisbane, um, 94 in Sydney and 84 in Melbourne. So, you know, we know the line share of head offices are in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and that's where the, the good jobs are, you know, the really high paying uh, kind of executive role jobs. Um, now, of course, the work from home movement could go some way to kind of alleviating this. It's quite possible now that maybe you could be a CFO of a listed company um, that has a head office in Sydney and you work out of Brisbane. Um, and uh, I think for some occupational roles and in some industries, that's going to work well. Um, and so that could alleviate some of the, the problems. But the, the, the reality is that, uh, you know, the, the, the main sort of supply of those sorts of high-level, high-income paying jobs are mostly in Melbourne and Sydney, and that's a, a downside uh, for, for Brisbane. A positive is you're probably going to pay uh, lower stamp duty, certainly lower stamp duty than compared to Victoria, but ultimately because the purchase price is lower, less stamp duty than if you purchased in Sydney. So um, uh, if you purchase a million-dollar property in, um, in Queensland, uh, you will pay about forty-one thousand in stamp duty in Victoria, about uh, fifty-six thousand, uh, and in New South Wales about forty-one thousand also. So not much difference between New South Wales and and Queensland. But of course, you know you're not going to be able to buy an investment grade property for a million dollars in either Melbourne or Sydney. Uh, so you're ultimately going to end up paying a lot more stamp duty. So not only the affordability, the actual cost of the property is going to be lower, but obviously then the on costs, you know, the the stamp duties and and um, so forth, uh, and even land taxes are are going to be lower. So that's a that's a positive. Another positive is a higher rental yield. So um, houses generate more rent um, in Brisbane. I think that probably speaks to some degree. Um, uh, it, that perhaps they're intrinsically undervalued uh, compared to other compared to other states. Um, so houses uh, you are typically going to receive somewhere between two and a half and three and a half percent in terms of rental yield, uh, depending on location and type of property and so forth, of course. Uh, and the midpoint being three percent is is what you typically receive. That's what I would do my numbers on. Um, but you're not going to get three percent rental yield in either Melbourne and uh, or Sydney. In fact, you're lucky to get two percent in in those locations. Um, so really, you're going to get fifty percent more income from your investment. Um, and again, I, I keep harping on, but the entry costs, the you know the the the, the purchase price um, is a lot lower as well. So really, on, on current um, uh, fixed mortgage rates, uh, you know, a property after tax in Brisbane is probably going to cost you less than ten thousand dollars in terms of holding costs, which are uh, you know, in the, in the scheme of things, it's uh, not a small amount of money, but um, comparatively, you know, what property has cost uh, in the past, that's, um, that's pretty cheap. And then when I think about, you know, um, the prospects, the growth prospects in Brisbane, you know, I, I tend to try and think long term. And what I really do is sort of ask myself the question on the basis that I can buy a, a, an investment grade property in a blue chip suburb, such as Tuwong or Ashgrove or Paddington, you know, it's going to cost me between one and say one and a half million dollars. It's going to be on maybe 400, 500 square meters of land, um, which means the overall uh, land value of the property is going to be about um, 60, 70% of its overall value. So you've got a strong land value component, a good pass of land, a 3% rental yield. You know, it's, you get a lot for your money. So then, what I do is I ask myself: Well, in twenty years, what will this property be worth? You know, it's it's not inconceivable that, you know, if I buy a half a million one and a half million dollar property today, that in twenty years it's going to be worth well over four million dollars. I mean, that's that's sort of two and a half million dollars of equity in a property over that time, and that's only a growth rate of five percent. I mean, I would be disappointed if it if it achieved that. So. Um, I can make this investment, probably make $2.5 million of equity over the next 20 years, and the holding costs are going to be low. I mean, the the property in 20 years' time will be um, positive cash flow, of course, but certainly the the holding costs over the first 10 years tend to be the most considerable, um, and if we're going to have lower interest rates for a little bit longer period of time, certainly five-year interest rates are pretty low anyway, um, fixed rates that is, uh, you know, the holding costs are, are really low. So to wrap up, um, you know, Brisbane property, I think, does have a lot of merit. That is not to say at all uh, that it is much better. It's a much better investment than Melbourne and, and Sydney. I think, uh, of course, they have merit. Um, and some of the, the, the cons in terms of uh, – that, that that Brisbane have in terms of population size and employment opportunities are very, very important. Um, and their their um, attributes that Melbourne and, and Sydney – Have over Brisbane. So I'm not saying that uh, Melbourne and and Sydney aren't good investments. I guess what I'm trying to make a case for is if you already have investments in those markets, uh, then it might uh, make sense to have some geographical uh, diversification. And as such, um, I think Brisbane presents a, a pretty good investment case for achieving that geographical diversification for all the reasons that I've just highlighted. And of course, it would be remiss of me not to point out that it is obviously paramount to buy the right assets and not just any property in Brisbane, of course. Asset selection is still absolutely key. It has to be an investment grade property in investment grade location. Okay, that's it for me for this week. I hope that's been useful. Of course, there's more information on the blog on the website. Um, Until next week, bye for now.